number four coming up for Jake Melton. Now a chance for Hunt. It's a long ball towards Brown. Off hands. Melton been terrific all night. Pickett kicks. Is it a point or a goal? It's a goal. And the Blues fans' hearts break all around the country. Four seconds remaining. Sale will fist it forward. Back to the wing. It's a Melbourne win. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast. Four days fans, by days fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop Hen Brewing in Lillardale and Valley Electrical Group. And I am joined each and every week, as always, by my co-host with, with a bit of a twist here. And uh, there's something they want to play that's a little bit, yeah, probably, it, it certainly certainly suits the occasion at the moment. So not only do we have Simo as each and every week, but we've also got his longtime partner and congratulations because now excited to say your fiance, Simo L, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. thanks, Sim. Thanks, mate. Nice intro. <laughs> That's enough, there. No, I, I did that. I did have that in my head. Like I had that. I was going to do that last week as well, too. But um, obviously, yeah, couldn't get up, couldn't get up for last week, which is which is disappointing. It's been a couple of big weeks at the G. But L, you're making your debut on the show. I'm sure you wish it was under better circumstances, aside from the engagement, which is super exciting. So congratulations again. It's uh, yeah, stoked for you both. And I know it's um, yeah, been a long time coming. I'm sure. Has the wedding yes. been? I said to Simo last week. Has the wedding been planned yet? Is it done? You booked your venue? Are you? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it is one step at a time. If you know Simo, he's definitely, um, you know, just the next day as it comes. One week at a time. So one week at a time. But no, absolutely no wedding planning. But thank you very much. It is very exciting, and I do wish I was here with the Blues win. But anyway. <laughs> yeah so for for others that don't know l is yeah a massive blue supporter so is, is the uh the household divided and well simo you've got your own little story about the weekend as well too because i mean it was it was a pretty amazing get out of jail victory but just prior to everything <laughs> your night didn't go as planned unfortunately no it didn't and it started started at two o'clock in the afternoon where Unfortunately, I got concussed in the first 12 minutes of the game, which uh, yeah ruled me out of the uh, night's festivities, which was a bit disappointing because knowing that the Ds and the Blues are only battling off once this year and crap that every other year we've only played the Blues once. So it's sort of one of those games that we always you know want to do what we can to get to those games. And for us not to be able to do that was a bit disappointing, but um. To be honest, I'm kind of glad I wasn't there to be a part of it because I couldn't think of what I would be like uh, in the stands after seeing Cosy Pickett's goal sail through with 11 seconds left. So just on that, Elle, if you get a bit closer to the microphone, how were you at that stage? Oh, well, I mean, I didn't end up going because of Simo with his concussion. But oh, I didn't, was... So you didn't go to the game? I thought, I mean, no. I knew you were in town. No, I was at the precinct um, in Richmond watching on the big screen and there was a lot of blue supporters around me and we're all getting very excited towards the end of it and our hearts definitely shattered in that last 11 seconds. (laughs) I can imagine you... So frustrating, uh, but yeah. I can imagine you haven't watched the final two minutes at all, have you? No. No, but Simo, how many times have you watched the final two minutes? Funnily enough, I actually haven't. Not at um, all. No, bizarre. Hey, I just, I just, I think I just succumbed to just say, like, I'm just bloody hell, just, just happy that we got the win because I could not be in this household with a loss that close to Carlton. I just wouldn't live it down. And I just, I'm so thankful. <laughs> Touching wood, though, I won't have to experience that for the rest of this year. Yeah. It's funny, like, the two weeks. You know, the two games at the G, like two big crowds, two big Victorian teams playing off against each other over the last fortnight. It's been two kind of similar games in a sense, hasn't it, in terms of like a, a close outcome, but also the style of game. Al, I don't know about you. How did, I thought the Blues played pretty valiantly throughout the whole game in order to keep up with us. Now, I, I won't say that we played didn't we didn't play the perfect game because we, we certainly didn't, but you must be pretty happy to take some positives out of that game regardless of the result yeah absolutely i mean there was a couple of um 
people at the precinct who were saying that we're going to get flogged by about 10 goals, which in mine and Simo's relationship we've been together for five years and I've definitely experienced that before. Um, but I was like, no, nah, I don't know. And they definitely put it on, but in ways I think it kind of makes it more frustrating that we played so well, but we just didn't get there in the end. Yeah. I think like to think about probably a lot of the maturity of the players out there, and I'm not saying that like they're immature, but more so as a game sense and, and how many games they've actually got under their belt and, and, and the growth that they've even made this year. It's pretty amazing to think like, yes, you started off really hot this season. What was it? Eight and two. And, and now you're kind of staring down the barrel of a do or die clash next week against Collingwood, which yes. by, by all means has, has certainly been knocked up by the footy gods as, as the pinnacle of a narrative that this season just kind of uh, exemplifies because I mean, the race is as wide open as it has been aside from top spot. It's uh, it's pretty insane. But I mean, how, how are you feeling about next week? Because I still think that, yeah, you guys gave a good brand and a good crack and, and really two minutes of a couple of mistakes. Uh, we could be having a very different conversation tonight. Yeah, I mean, it does scare me a little bit. I can only imagine how much um, Collingwood supporters would just love to see Carlton be kicked out of the eight. Um, I know that my best friend is a Collingwood supporter, so um, I'm scared <laughs> what she's going to be like. But I really hope as long as we bring that same sort of intensity that we did with you guys, I definitely think that we could, um, yeah, at least be in the game and hopefully win. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Simo, what was the what was first first sort of standouts from Saturday night? What what was the first thing that kind of stood out to you? Takeaways from the game? Probably the biggest takeaway for me is a bloke that's been labelled by Stephen May as if if he didn't play during the grand final, we probably would have lost. And that's Jackie Malsham. I thought he's, I mean, not, probably not so much last week, but the other weeks that he's coming to the side, he's really put the, his best fit. Spent, can't even talk best foot forward um especially he could have kicked six i think he kicked four two um just just the thing he was things he was doing just the ability to win one-on-one contests which we saw you know back in 2018 which was his strongest suit you know he did jobs on mcgovern and you know he looked like he was doing a really good job on weedering and weedering kind of was a non, non-factor um i mean lucky they had lewis young but yeah he his game was probably my biggest takeaway and then I even put into a um, one of the Facebook groups, which I don't normally do, um, to really celebrate Jaden Hunt's return to form. Um, I believe that's probably averaged, you know, subpar ten touches a game. He doubled that, had nineteen, and to be honest, I reckon he won us the game just with his run and dare and um, his meterage um, was just yeah second to none. What about you, mate? Yeah. Uh, oh, look, there's there's certainly a couple of things that are definitely up there. I think the ability to learn from the mistakes that they had the week before. And I think Max is sort of coming out today about how much that they really analyze those final 10 minutes against the pies and how they can kind of dissect and go through those sort of game situations and train and be ready for that. And I mean, being at the game, I didn't, I wasn't checking how much time was left and I'd, I'd resigned that we'd lost. Like I'd, as soon as Kern, I put that, that goal through, I was like, well, that's, that's it. Here we go again. And I didn't check how much time it was. And I don't know, you say like the, the faith wavered. It, it, it definitely did. It, was, it felt like the demon supporters around me were pretty flat. But I think for them just to be able to execute that and, and going through and watching those two minutes again and, and thinking back, you got the Jaden Hunt sort of propelling from half back and those inside 50s that he was able to generate. You got the Jake Lever kick inside 50, which now, you know, it's been spoken about that it's a set play. Like they plan for that. He's pointing directions to the midfielders to, to get into the corridor because you see when he's able to pick up that that loose ball off the ground and kind of just hook it around into the body, let it bounce however it was and, and sort of get that run on there. When Melksham got that goal, it was sort of like, oh, it's a bit of a sniff. I still, again, didn't have any idea how much time was left to go. But then the ability for Cozzy just to be able to do the finishing touches on it, which finishing touches of a goal assist of Jake Malcolm, who capped off his amazing night with that was, it was unbelievable. Like it was, yeah, I, I honestly still just to this day, don't know what happened on Saturday night in that moment. Like I've watched it now over and over again, but 
there sitting in the stands, I had no idea what was going on. Like it was just so hectic. I resigned to the fact that we're going to lose too. And the, the problem is a lot of Melbourne supporters actually did the same thing and they started leaving when it hit, I think, the 30-minute mark, thinking the game's all she wrote. But they've, they've missed, you know, an absolute ripping finish to a game. And, yeah, I, I was I was sitting there getting pretty frustrated. Just I was just hoping to God we'd found a way of it. Yeah, I was trying to be positive in myself. I was like, yeah, oh, we're done here. And <laughs> me with a bit of a headache or a fair bit of a headache, I'm just like, this sucks. And I just couldn't think of a worse a day, you know, to lose to Carlton, to get concussed, to get belted in my own footy. And then that happened. I think everything just turned around. I apologised to my coffee table because it got whacked. The dog got a, <laughs> a fright of its life. Didn't want to go near me afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty... Pretty unreal finish to a game, and a lot of a lot of Carlton supporters are sucking. Then it went for upwards of thirty five minutes, yeah. I think, or might yeah. have ticked to thirty six. Um, yeah, they were they were sucking, but yeah, I heard Melbourne fans were leaving early too. So um, yeah, that's yeah, it's it's all done. It's yeah, moving on to round twenty three, <laughs> mate. Because there's a lot to, there's a lot to dissect in that game as um, as the AFL's posted, but. Gee, we're, we're in for, you know, it's, imagine being a uh, like a Hawthorne or some a supporter like that, just the ride they're going to see during, the, you know, the finals and even this round. Like, we, we've we've seen finals early and I feel like Melbourne's last month has all been, you know, almost like finals footy-like. And it's, yeah, as a mutual supporter, um, Al and I actually go on the game on Sunday and I tell you what, that, that game's going to be red hot and I can't wait. Yeah, so... Al, from from a Carlton perspective, what biggest standout for you on on the game? Because obviously you had the whole Crips drama that you sort of lived through throughout the week, and and you know that was what it was. But still, some pretty notable performances as well too from a couple of your boys as well. Yeah, I think um, I was probably young that stood out really. I think we've got um, quite a few young guys that. Um, do you know get a lot of chances and a lot of opportunity like to play in the side and. There's a lot of weeks that, you know, they don't necessarily show that they um, are fit enough to be in that side, but we are pretty injury-ridden at the moment with a couple of our bigger players out for the year. Um, but it was nice to see Cripper back in the side. I know a lot of people are quite angry about it, but, um, you know, it couldn't have been better to have him back and he played amazingly. So it was nice for him to show that he definitely deserved to be in that game. Um, but yeah, I just think overall the boys played really well, but yeah. Hey, Tim, why don't you, why don't you ask, um, Al about her? What, she's actually got this bloke's badge, but ask, ask her about what always did at the end of the game. <laughs> well, I was going to, I was going to kind of go in into that because that, that's been, that's certainly been publicized a fair bit too, not being able to hit a target and potentially being, yeah, that, that extra little bit of time that if that ball goes straight to Saad, without hitting the grass, that it could be, could be again, a different story. But he he still kicked a goal, didn't he, on the night? So, oh, he did? Always did? No. Durden. must have been Durden. Durden. Durden did, yeah. yeah. I do I do love Durden. Um, I do love Owies. I have a real soft spot for Owies. I do have his badge. <laughs> um, and he, he only recently got himself back into the side. So, he's up setting for him that he did um, make that mistake and it was a mistake that, you know, definitely did cost us the game in the end really. But, um, yeah, what, what can you do? No, that's what right. <laughs> I think <laughs> you talked about Young. He, he did play a great game. I mean, playing on Ben Brown, you know, majority of the game as well too. And Brown had limited influence as well too. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit later on. But, no, I think he notched up what at least double digit intercepts and and yeah, I think probably almost career high marks as well as well too. So he was a really strong performer for them. I thought uh Doherty's move into the middle was well definitely warranted given the opposition that he was going up against. But geez, he really flourished as well too. And it was a bit of a bit of a wild card. As you said, you're missing Hewitt, uh, you're missing Kennedy as well too. Big keys to your early success in the season in that midfield and then Chero pulling out late as well too. So, uh, but for him there, like it's still, you know, the contested ball, there wasn't, I think what, Deej just got an edge, uh, was it slightly in the end? I can't remember, what was it? Or was it clearances, you guys, I think got us in the end on clearances. So, 
you know, giving midfield on midfield on midfield. I think that given how many wounded soldiers that you've got at the moment sitting on the bench, you did pretty well to sort of combat that. And I thought Doherty played a ripper of a game and looked really dangerous as well. Yeah. Yeah, they knocked us off by oh, sorry, we won by 19 on the contestants. But yeah, it was weird. It was weird seeing different players go in the middle. I saw Setterfield trying to lock down Clary at stoppage and then he was going to Petrarca at times. And yeah, I thought Doherty's probably his last, probably from like the 10 minute mark up until probably the last couple of minutes, his his ability to stop any of our, you know, dominant clearances. I mean, he probably had six, seven tackles in the last quarter. He was just stopping everything. I just yeah. I mean, he's just a soldier he is, and I'm sure every Cullen fan, even every AFL fan, has a lot of a bit of a soft spot for that guy, considering what he's gone yeah, through. Oh, yeah, a great story as well, too, and, and not to mention Cunnington coming back as well, too, this weekend, somebody who's, who's gone through a similar journey as well. But didn't I'm pretty sure with the final centre bounce, when D's are back up, pretty sure, is it Doherty that wins that last clearance? Because they get the clearance on that in that last call. I'm trying to remember who it is, because Max taps it back or whichever way it goes and now midfielders are all streaming like to get back and i can't remember where they got there but it was certainly a shaky couple of couple of seconds there before salem was able to give the old double fister and and, and get it get it away from the 450 before the siren blues so it was uh, a crazy crazy thing uh simo any other performances i think i sort of like you we touched on hunt i thought gus played again sort of Rock another solid. really dominant game in the midfield and yeah Generated a lot of the pill. What, 38 touches, 12 clearances as well too. Um, what was your thoughts on his game? Oh, I thought he was unreal. I think just he said he's a ship wherever he is. Um, I feel like he. it's pretty It's pretty big comparison, but do you think very a very similar sort of player to like Pendlebury, I feel. It just more so just his ability to sort of, when he gets it, the game sort of slows down to a degree. Um, you know, he's clean um, ever since oh, the whole year. Hasn't played a bad game. Hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, at times, you know, he turns a footy over, but um, yeah, he, he's just he's just what typifies being a Melbourne player is. I think he's just been unreal. And ever since he's moved into the midfield, he's been awesome. Last thing I wanted to touch on too, as a credit to Melbourne in general, is just our ability to take a contested grab. Um, having Tom DeConing out was probably the biggest win for us because, I mean, having one less tall to compete with in the air, I feel like... Yeah, especially players like Dogger taking that big spec in the fourth quarter and you know, Max around the ground, some real pivotal moments where we're able to impact um in contests. And to have twenty-two for the game, I thought that um steered the ship, especially when J- well, Jackson took the spec in and Brown up forward finally took one, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on pretty pissed off very, yeah. very soon. But um, yeah, they're probably the yeah, I suppose it's been a long one, but um, yeah, plenty to like about it. Um, all be yeah, just getting the four points and yeah, moving on. Yeah, that's it. Al, what about you? I know it's a day's podcast, but you've, you've got the mic. Was there anything else in particular that you really were impressed by Carlton? I mean, for me, I think that their pressure in the th- early in the third quarter when you guys kind of got on top of us, I thought, you know, their pressure rating really went up. And I mean, the day's ball movement was something else anyway in its sense, but you weren't really able... You know, we weren't able to get our game going and, and you didn't really get sucked in for kicking long down the line either. So that sort of really took out took away our intercept game. But anything else that stood out for you for for Blues? Um, I think it was just, it was good to see, like, you know, like especially early on in the game, like there definitely wasn't many goals in it um, towards the start of the game. And I think it just showed um, the pressure that we were putting on you guys and the defence, like from both sides. Um, sometimes, you know, Cartman can forget they're playing a game of defensive blue sometimes. And um, so it was nice to see that change a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm just, I mean, I'm keen to see how we show up against Collingwood next week. And um, fingers crossed we either win that or the people that we need to lose keep losing. Um, and, yeah, we can finally somewhat see finals because I don't know how old I was the last time that happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> nine years ago, 20, 20, yeah. was it 2013? They uh, were the ninth place team and they knocked off Richmond. Gee, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> Gee, that was good. Yeah. All right, well, Simo, do we go through the things that let's quickly run through the things we didn't like or we're we saving that for later? What do you reckon? Nah, we'll launch, mate. Let's launch. We'll launch. Let's go. All right, well, my first thing, I still think like our inability 
to find a, a target inside 50 is still rearing its ugly head. I continue to bomb it long and whether that's, you know, like there's two, two parties involved there. That's, that's certainly, that's certainly the midfield connection there, but it's also the lack of movement from the forwards as well too, and not being able to sort of move into space. Now, Benny Brown copped a lot of shit and he looked, yeah, he looked out of place on the weekend. I mean, you keep kicking it on his head. I think we've mentioned this before. He is playing in a role that isn't really suited to his strengths and he's playing as a contested for, you know, contested marking forward, which is not what he did back at North Melbourne. And we're still, yeah, unable to really find clear passages unless we're turning the ball over and getting goal side. Still looking pretty dysfunctional moving forward. And it proved with the low score uh, in the first half. And even from our, you know, our key forwards, like Fritter just had the one. Cosy had the two, but they were sort of on the bookends of the game as well too. So not, nothing really consistent through the middle. Betty Brown kicked an important one, but otherwise didn't look like getting near the ball. So that's, yeah, that's big for me. I think the efficiency inside, I mean, halfway through the third quarter, I think the D's had six kicks that were effective inside 50. So six out of 25, 24%. Like that, it's got to change. Like we, it won't stand up against better sides. You hit the nail on the head. It's an ongoing issue, which... You got to think, what's the best balance? I mean, just I mean, Petrarca spent a fair bit of time down there. You know, he did the um, center clearances and things, um, or center ball up, should I say? Uh, it, it it just lacks. I don't know if it's a lack of speed we're putting on the ball, or like ability to shift lanes. Like you see our kickouts and things to start a play. I mean, we're always doing the same thing. Um, it, we're playing pretty boring footy, to be fair, and. It's something's got to something's got to give something's got to change. Where like it's, I mean, sides are sides are really starting. Or you know, we've seen this year, especially in the last you know ten rounds, 10, 12 rounds ever since we lost a game. Sides sides are figuring us out, and for us to beat sides, I mean, Sydney play a pretty similar brand to us. Um, Collingwood have shown you know they put a lot of speed on the ball, which you know eliminates our ability to intercept. You got. You know, Geelong's a different kettle of fish. I mean, they're better solid than last year with all their pressure and everything. So, you know, by us playing this safe brand of footy, it's it's allowing for teams to give us that pressure and for us to be playing this boring footy. We've got to take some more dare. I mean, we've got to dare, dare to score because, you know, when we do that, I'd have, happily say we're the best side in the competition. Yeah. I know Geelong have been amazing, but look... You've, you've, we've seen and we've, we've showcased. You, know, you look at the games against Brisbane and Freo. For one, defensively, we were amazing. And then for two, our offensive game was there as well. So, yeah, that's our best footy. And, God, I hope this uh, this close win has um, got to propel, propel us into the finals because Brisbane this week is not going to be easy. No, no, that's right. And I think, yeah, it's certainly that when you talk about that boring footy, it, does, it comes down to ball movement and it kind of, Moves into my nice little segue into my next point there because, yeah, and it's been the case for the last few weeks now. And Maisie's been labelled a, a lot, been very predictable and about how we go about about the kick-ins and where the ball's flying for, from there and going long down the line to Gorn. It's, you know, teams now are like flooding their back lines because they know how the ball's going into the, into the forward 50. And interesting enough, sorry, getting back to forward 50 for a second, <laughs> you watch the footage of Ben Brown when he's going out for a marking contest. Now, he's always got probably, like, it's never just him versus Young. Uh, and you're doing the wacky arm. Wait, <laughs> the, his body parts go everywhere. No, no, but watch the how only, he goes. The only thing that stays still is his hair. Well, that's true. But watch where how he <laughs> goes to grab for the ball, though. He's going for, with one hand every time. It's like he's not even going up for the mark. He's looking to bring the ball to ground every single time. Like, he's just willing to tap it down. He's not going. He's never going up with two hands. And like that's that's a continued issue. But if you're getting back to ball movement, it's yeah, it, it's becoming way too predictable. They're not playing with that dare that you know we're asking for. It's not not changing anything's up. We're the hunted this year, which means that teams are going to overanalyze. They're going to change. We need to be the ones that adapt. And we've seen that with Gus now moving to midfield. There's been a change there. And Gorney starting at full forward, and Jacko in the ruck. I think making the most of him before he goes. Honestly. Um, but, and Brown started on the bench, actually, uh, which is interesting as well. It's, yeah, the ball movement. Rounds one to seven. We were number one in the comp, 
for moving the ball from defensive 50 to forward 50, right? Rounds 8 to 15, we slip slightly to 6th. And then since round 16, we've been 17th in the comp. So defensive change, so moving the ball from half-back line and getting it into our forward 50, like it's, yeah, we, we haven't been able to get, you know, any benefit from moving the ball there. Do you think that's partially due to Gus Brayshaw going back in the middle? Because <clears throat> he, he could be the one, he was he essentially he was playing Christian Salem's role. And you probably think Salem's probably, that's about when he's returned. He hasn't fully hit his stride yet. I mean, we're seeing glimpses of him getting back to his best, but he's a fair while off of what he was producing last year. Cause he was, well, he was in the 40 man all Australian squad, Christian Salem. And he's, He's nowhere near that at this current stage. And you think he's our best ball user. We want the ball in his hands, but he's just lacking that, I don't know, he's just not the same. Yeah. No, look, I don't know. I thought Saylor played a really good sort of first quarter and a bit on uh, Saturday night. And his, his game against Collingwood was, was pretty good. I don't know if the, the difference is in that. I think it's. I think the problem's bigger than just that one player. I think it's, it's certainly a game plan sort of thing and I know that they're very very much settled on sticking with you know sticking with the structures that they've been doing all season now I, I don't believe that that's always been the case but maybe maybe it has just been the shift of teams ad- adapting to how we're playing you know you've got teams that won't get sucked in to, to getting kicking it long down the line for us which then generates less turnover less intercepts which doesn't allow us to then to propel the ball forward quickly and catch defenses off guard so I certainly think that against better sides, because that is really going to help us you know, create opportunities for scoring, those two things come hand in hand. And if we're not able to yeah, move the ball quickly and with speed, I think that it's, it's going to have a direct impact on scoring. And you're seeing that last week and this week. You know, The inability to be able to kick more than 10 goals in a game, is uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a bit of a worry, even with finals being slowed down, gritty, grind, defensive footy. Uh, I'm not worried about us defensively, but yeah, from a scoring point of view, we've still got to kick more points than the other team. L, while you're there, anything that you want to get off your chest? Lastly, before uh, before before we close off, uh, pretty pissed off. What are you pretty pissed off about? <laughs> um, besides besides always grass kicked aside, is there anything else? Oh uh, no, uh, I mean it's probably just like you know from a Carlton supporter, not even just this game, but. As you said earlier, you know, we started off the year so well. And, you know, I remember um, the first game, you know, beating Richmond. And I remember Simo was like, oh, you know, like, you know, you're a one-trick pony, <laughs> as, uh, as you guys say. But, um, it, like, you know, then we beat the Doggies in round two and we sort of just kept winning. And I was like, wow, you know, this is a different team. It's um, got a bit of a different feel. But we've sort of got to the most important part of the year and it hasn't really shown, but, um, you know, hopefully we can continue, but I do love the D's and, um, even though I am a Carlton supporter, I do have a very soft spot for the D's. So (laughs) can't be too pissed off losing to you guys. Yeah. Fair call. And look, to be honest, I mean, I I think I talking throughout the week, I thought we're going to beat you by a lot more. So it's, um, and I don't mean any disrespect by that, but I just thought that yeah, after Collingwood's game, I thought we were thought we were ready ready to go. Can I can I touch on something for pretty pissed off, which we obviously you know due to unforeseen circumstances last week we missed the Collingwood game, and just in general, just how crap I felt so small at that game. It's not funny. Um, I was pissed off about that. I was pissed off that we lost to Collingwood in general. The fact that they've they were able to win so many games by such a small amount just baffles me and um, I genuinely dislike their supporter base. And yeah, that was a really frustrating time. Um, what are you, how are you at that game, Tim? Yeah, no, I, I, I share, share your opinions there. It was, I think I was talking to you earlier. It's the most outnumbered I've felt at a game for a long time, just in terms of, yeah, crowds. I, I, I don't remember sort of looking around at being at a home game, not like the Melbourne home game, yes, but like it's not like we were playing interstate side. So you knew it was going to be fairly evenly balanced. I don't know how many members Colin would have off the top of my head, but yeah, everywhere you looked uh, around the ground or, you know, I could see just majority, like the first thing that you saw was was black and white and you could hear it. And I think 
look as a neutral supporter right no well even as a support like it's it's a it makes a fun atmosphere to be there like it, it does it created that finals like atmosphere uh that you know that we've missed over these last couple of years so don't get me wrong like the atmosphere there is great but yeah the supporters are dickheads um and the rest and yeah it was frustrating that not to mention though <laughs> had a similar situation and probably a worse situation on saturday night with a blue supporter who arguably uh single-handedly was way worse than almost like i think just the way that he was carrying on uh on saturday night he kept having to go at ben brown and Anyway, it was funny. I just felt personally, um, I personally felt that like Melbourne supporters were a little bit, uh, a little bit quiet, um, even you know towards the end of Saturday night. But even the Melbourne game as well too. Like I certainly felt, yeah, the supporters like the Demon Army loud as down behind behind goals there. But but everywhere else, I thought was around me, you know, sprinkling of D supporters, but pretty quiet in the crowd. Is it is it like a lot of people were just like yeah we won one now we can just sort of relax and just you know cheer like less I don't know like or are they just waiting for the finals or just waiting to unleash because I remember back in 2018 the last time we were actually able to get to a finals game and that place was absolutely rocking that Geelong and that Hawthorne game was nuts and I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping that comes back out if we get the chance to play you know at the MCG in the finals I know you know we're looking at down the track, which we'll touch on at one week at a time. But yeah, I just want to have a have a chance to be back at the G and you know see the boys get a win there. Because yeah, oh, imagine being able to see that cup be raised down there, mate. Yeah, oh. no, don't definitely. But but even still, I think we've been like spoiled the last two weeks with like two big sort of blockbuster Friday night, Saturday night games against you know powerhouses in terms of competition wise Collingwood and Carlton and and yeah it makes for a fun atmosphere supporter bases will be what they'll be and they won't change and yeah it was just interesting this bloke on on Saturday night who um yeah who fair to say exited very quickly um I've never seen my old man more aggressive in my life in terms of wanting to like you know get in someone's face after a win that was that was a highlight, but also um, <laughs> me and my brother exchanged glances and thinking, "Holy shit!" Like <laughs> this bloke was just—he was just an absolute dickhead and just giving, you know, yelling at everyone around him all game. But you know, it all came back to bite him. As was I said, he, he was, giving was he there by? Was he there by himself? No, nah, he had a few mates around him, but he just all he would just yell out was like, "Ben Brown, you suck." That's like literally all he had. And there was a Melbourne supporter in front of us, and when the siren went, he turned around to me and he, he didn't say anything during the game, but he said. Geez, oh, it would have been so much sweeter if Ben Brown kicked the winning goal because, yeah, then oh. then we would have had something to say for sure. But he still kicked a really crucial goal as well. So don't worry, don't get me wrong. But anyway, that's <laughs> not gonna not gonna well, be I mean, If it makes you feel any better, you know, at the precinct on Saturday night, and you know, you guys win, and instead of the um, Melbourne supporters getting all rowdy, there was actually Collingwood supporters saying the Collingwood chant. Surprisingly. <laughs> Really? Well, I don't know what happened there, but because all of us Carlton supporters were pretty quiet, yeah. the Collingwood supporters started coming out and having their chance. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, question, real question is, did your friend join in with a chant? Absolutely not. Good. Nicole's not silly. <laughs> okay. Oh, there you go. Oh, no, it's interesting to hear what, what happens outside the, uh, you know, outside the stadiums on, on the nights like that as well too. So interesting enough, but... All right, well, Al, we'll let you go. Thanks so much for jumping on. And, uh, yeah, great to hear your your thoughts and insights on the game. And, and honestly, best of luck to, to the Blues. I hope they get up next week and hopefully they, they get a gig in September because, yeah, they've worked really hard. And I'm sure as a supporter, it's been a long time coming. But, yeah, super exciting for them, hopefully, to try and, try and edge their way in. And, uh, yeah, you've got a pretty formidable foe that's going to set up a, a massive blockbuster on Sunday afternoon. But for your sake, I hope, yes. they, hope they get over the line. <laughs> I hope even for, um, you know, for Melbourne as well, we can beat them for you. Um, yeah, no, but thank you so much for having me. Nah, all um, good. <laughs> big fan, so it's nice to be on. <laughs> nah, nah. Scrap Fugazi, we've got the biggest fanny. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm awesome. all your views. <laughs> <laughs> Just got all the bots yeah. running, all the bots running Spotify on like a thousand different phones. You got to set up in your garage or something. That's right. Yeah, I do. Just awesome. Oh. <laughs> and congratulations again. But we'll see you soon. Thanks, Al. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks darling. <laughs> um.
right, mate. It's time. Hop in. D-Life or D-Splay of the year award. <laughs> two weeks to go through here now. Two weeks. First one, Collingwood. Now, look, I had, some, I had some real tough work. Now, lucky you actually gave me a chance to think about this one because there's a few underlying factors looking at the stat sheet and also the game itself as to how I gave my votes. Now, number one, Petrarca's getting a one. Petrarca had the 36 touches. I thought he was an absolute bull. Um, across that. Um, the only thing that let him down was his efficiency. Yeah, yeah, no, he played he played a pretty ripper all around game as well. So I gave one vote to James Jordan. I think he's just again like building on the solid form throughout the back end of the season. And well, no, he's been consistent all year, but his work along the wing uh, has been has been tremendous. And I thought he yeah he, he held his own on that on a pretty disappointing night. So last week I saw there twenty four touches as well. Um, my two votes goes to our skipper Maxi Gorn, um, ten marks, thirty odd touches. He was. Yeah, he did did a lot of things all right, except for uh, know how to put it between the big sticks. Yep. And no, who did I got two for? Oh, two for Gus. Again, like he's just proven that like he can play anywhere. Like, <laughs> we saw the damage that he did last year on the wing, half back line for the first half of the year, or first three quarters really, and, and now having a genuine impact inside. And, and we've seen that now two weeks in a row, which has been really pleasing. So, no, awesome. Great one. Uh, my three votes goes to Clary. Um, the 42 touches, probably overhandballed at times, but yeah, to have 42 and just try and drive us home. Um, yeah, got home because he's done it twice against Collingwood this year. And he obviously won the medal on Queen's birthday and backed it up with another 40 possession performance. Uh, it's hard. Like Clary's stiff to miss for me, but I gave my three to Gorn. I just, I, I just think his, his performance all round was, yeah, was incredible. I think just being the... Really, the best genuine ruckman in the game, uh, well, on you know on the day and on the ground, and I think he got the end up getting the ten coaches votes as well too. So uh, for a, for a close game as well, he just proved that yeah, it's like a fine wine. He's he's aging very well. <laughs> I like that one. All right, mate. <laughs> let's move on to uh, the Blues game now. More, I've got really underrated players here. You'll like this one. Um, my one vote goes to Harrison Petty. Um, was able to keep the Colin medalist to one goal. Um, still got him I hear still got him in his pocket um, still trying to find Charlie Kerno a la that last goal that put him up by seven but I thought Petty's work on Kerno to keep him in one goal was um, exceptional yeah uh, I give him one vote to Jaden Hunt I think that throughout the game was, was pretty solid but then you can't not reward his last couple of minutes because I don't think the result gets there without his, his dash and dare in that last little bit. And I think it's, yeah, he deserves some, deserves some well-earned credit. And, you know, you hear about him striving to sort of wanting to be in that side along with Melsham um, for, for them that missed out last year. Uh, it's certainly, yeah, providing them with that hunger. And, yeah, it's great to see him get some reward and get some recognition too. I love how you touched on that because, yeah, there was a lot of, especially post-game with uh, with Melksham, you know, talking about those boys that did miss out and how much they're wanting to drive um, the excitement through the group and, you know, that want to win. Um, I thought that was a bit underrated for Jaden Hunt, one vote. I've actually given him the two votes. Um, I thought he's – he actually – to be honest, I think he actually won us a game. Um, just being able to take that yardage and, you know, to take that game on and I think we've just been looking for it um, – for him to be playing that footy. I mean, that's probably the consistency we'd want to see in Jaden Hunt and Rivers, you know, being that those dashing players that can, you know, run their 10, 15, then kick 50. Like, just what he provided um, in that last two minutes was huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair call. Fair call. Is, yeah, hard and hard to sort of get him in there. But, uh, well, here you go. Well, you like this one then. I gave two votes to Petty because I, I think that Kuno at his best can be – yeah, a complete beast. And, and look, Mackay had his moments, don't get me wrong, on, on Saturday night and especially kicking the first goal within 30 seconds. And both him and, and May had their, had their moments. And whereas, you know, May certainly was on top of him at times, but then Mackay certainly uh, was able to, yeah, get on top a little bit as well too and, and what slotted the three goals, I think, as well. So, you know, how dominant he can be and, and he's got great... Great Dukes. So he, uh, yeah, stuck a few marks and and yeah, I thought um I thought Petty's job on on Kerno being able to at least limit one of those twin towers to just the goal, uh, an important goal it was. But yeah, for the majority of the night, he's just continuing to be an absolute star down there, Pet. 
I mean, they probably AFL fan probably look at you know Kerno for kicking one goal four, but it, just the way you know he pressured him when he did have it, um, I thought it was a true highlight. And also when um, you know Stephen May or Lever have gone off their player and he has to come off an impact, I thought that was huge as well. Um, a couple of bone crunching tackles, potentially goal saving tackles as well. I thought that was really good by him. Uh, three votes, um, pretty obvious one here. Um, bloke that could have kicked five or six. And that goes to Malcolm, just his ability to win one-on-one contests and um, to hit the scoreboard. He kicked the four and had the 15. Um, Ten score involvements, he was he was exceptional. And how good is it seeing him back, being back? And even also for him to go up and hug Stevie May, like that was a great picture to just say, you know, up yours, you know, the AFL world because we're back. You know, we've got, you know, the cohesion back and, you know, in our players and we – we hope that's going to be a big driver um, come September. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, he's got my three votes as well too. I think uh, it was interesting to hear Track speak to him, speak about him after the game, and and just talking about his professionalism and being, you know, being a veteran of the club. But he said he's one of the you know, the most genuine clubmen um, around the club. That's that's purely there to do whatever he needs to do, whether that's putting on body spoils in the forward line. Like he knows he's up there as a defensive forward, but. He does just all those little things. He's, he's far from selfish. He's, he's just doing anything that he can to make his teammates around him better. And the fact that he can have you know six shots on goal is just an absolute bonus on that. But it was great to hear Track speak about him, but also to hear Melksham sort of talk after the game. And just, yeah, again, like Hunt, got that drive to wanting to be in this side. And I honestly, like, he's not, he's not coming out of the side, I don't think. Not before finals, not you know, not barring anything unforeseen. The he he's been yeah he's been building over the last six weeks or four or six weeks, whatever how long he's been. And um no, he's it's great to see. No, he's as you mentioned, like getting back to that twenty eighteen form. But um no, he's he's been he's been really really happy for him. He's essentially playing the Tom McDonald role to a degree. I mean, he's able to at least contest in the air or even you know not get outmarked. That's the biggest thing and. Yeah, well, I feel like we've been we've been needing that for a while. I mean, he, he did an okay job, to be honest, on Darcy Moore the week before. Um, Jeremy Howe got off a little bit. But, yeah, he did a, quite a good job on Darcy Moore the week before. So, um, yeah, he had his time he, and he hit the scoreboard when it counted. All right, well, Simo, one round to go. Let's have a look at the quick quick snap of the leaderboard. Look, nothing's really seismically changed at all. We've got Vine is still well ahead, even though he didn't poll a vote in the last two weeks, which is pretty unusual. Uh, on 37. Oliver's now on 21. Uh, Brayshaw has now moved ahead of Cos with 19 votes. Cosy moves down to fourth at 17. And then Maxi Gorn has slipped into fifth spot with 14 votes. So, yeah, a couple of minor changes there, but all well and good. We'll have to try and find uh, <laughs> find Viner's address that we can send him some hop-in beers to enjoy at the end of the season. People are only commenting on what they see, um, but internally... It's Fagazi. Can you do with your best uh, Mackie McConaughey impression? Can you walk <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so talking points from Saturday night. Scintillating win. Very exciting. Get out of jail card. Win by the D's, thanks to Cozzy's goal but let's have a look at what we're looking at <laughs> oh god <laughs> just read tim fuck <laughs> all right Heath tudor uh great listener to the podcast always gives us yeah some really quality content here uh it says last two minutes doesn't change the issues that were clearly evident in the first 99 percent of the game the forward line is so stagnant we complain about them just bombing the ball in but it is clear every week when watching at the game how little movement there is Bombing is the only op- is the only option because there's no pace to open it up. As a result, teams flood the black line, knowing that it'll be an aerial ball that's coming in. Is there a fix with the personnel that we have? Personnel, probably not this season. Which, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point because you don't see like as much as Benny Brown looked like you know ran under the ball countless times. You know, part of that's delivery, but I don't see them really going to shake up. Like they're not going to bring in a JVR. They're not going to bring in Wiedemann, you know, without an injury. Uh, like it's just, like it is what it is, and we can't we can't hold our breath for McDonald. You know, like it's everyone's saying that he's the missing piece, and it's great, but it's also a heap of expectation as well. So for for him to come back, that everything's just going to magically click back into place, and that's just simply not true. Do you know what to go with that? I feel like 
now Petrarca is probably the one that does this the best and the worst at the same time, which is really interesting. Like you look at what he can do when he lowers the eyes and hits up a forward or hits a forward going into space, as opposed to bombing it. He's, he's the X factor kick. We want kicking the footy, but it is a tough one because yeah, at times he's probably the worst culprit for it along with probably Clary. Um, but then, you know, he's showcase showcase that he can easily hit a target. Um, and it shows what you do. I mean, Melton did a fair few. Bailey Fritch is, he was lacking it on the weekend, but you know, that hit up forward that, you know, steads the flow and we can get a deeper entry as opposed to a um, more shallow entry. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do in the run home. Um, next one comes in from Daniel Reeves, our kick outs uh, to the exact same spot. Our reluctance to switch or go through the corridor Inside 50 connection will always struggle because teams know how exactly how we move the ball and load up one side of the field accordingly. Well, yeah, it, it, it just looks like we don't have a, really a plan B. But then, to, to be honest, when Stephen May doesn't kick the footy in, we look like we do have a plan B. So he, he does the same thing, runs to the left probably 10 metres and then you know kicks it on Maxi's head and we hope for the best. I mean, sometimes it works. A lot of the time it doesn't. Um, yeah, it, it, that goes to show, I mean, the boring footy. When we're actually able to change lanes, which we... You know, I saw a couple of times, I think Hibbard and uh, Salem might have taken a couple of kickouts each. Um, they looked to actually get it out the other way and <laughs> actually looked like we had to move um, because, yeah, we're just so used to going down the line and, yeah, playing boring footy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, I'm watching, you know, again in the flesh, like Maxi gets manhandled in the contest and, and there's, you know, probably twice as many free kicks that should be paid that don't get paid, but you can't, not to say that that's what they're relying on, but... Again, there's so much weight and expectation on him and Jackson taking, or Ben Brown, you know, flying and, and landing one of those contested marks, and or or if the ball's spilling to ground, it's way too congested in there to try and whip it out and and really sort of find some open space and get it out to our wings. So, no, it's it's certainly a common trend, and everybody's noticing it. So that's that's got to say something. But you know what? We're not the coaches, so <laughs> let's see how it is. Uh, look, Daniel Reeves kind of echoes the same sort of spot as well. So. Um, Oh, sorry. No, that's who you just wrote out. So no, Correct. <laughs> no wonder it's no wonder it's similar to what we've just talked about. <laughs> uh, our last one comes in from Jay Alip, who uh, talks about it's not a bad foundation to launch into September. And well, I, lo- I love his positive positivity here. Uh, it's not a bad foundation to launch into September with, is it? A lot of teams with weaker have made deep finals runs in recent history. A new ball game in two weeks, and we're up to our necks in it. So. Yeah, love that he's sort of yeah able to put a bit of a positive spin to it. Like it is season 2.0 in one week's time, regardless of where we sit, whether it's sixth, whether it's second or third. Yeah, like it, it does. It's a whole new season. And hopefully, like for us, it just everything everything clicks into gear. We, we know our best is good enough. Uh, if it's not our best, depending on who we play on the night, it's, yeah, it's going to come up to, uh, yeah, however, however the line calls it when that siren's blowing, but. Um, I think that we can still, you know, remain confident and really back our players and our system in that we're going to give it the best crack that we absolutely can be. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And coaches say that a lot and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All right, mate. One week at a time. My time is here. And it's the last time for the year before we hit the big time. Now, round 23 up against the Lions, Friday night after the Gabba. Hasn't been a happy hunting ground for the Ds. You know, recent recent history, we haven't been fantastic over there. And it would be bloody good to get a win. Hostile, I mean, I feel like they get an extra 10% from the career. But, I mean, we only played this mob, you know, probably eight weeks ago, I think it was. And that was coming off our bye for memory. And we absolutely pantsed them. Um, you know, really, really stranglehold them. I think they only scored 50 points for the game. Um, and we were able to kick a really solid score. Um, and this this goes down, I reckon, there's our best game of the year. And, yeah, hopefully we can go again. I know they had Zach Bailey and Zorko out that night, and they'll have those guys back. But, you know, the lines have been a bit shaky, a bit up and down, a bit like us. But, yeah, big game at their grounds. I mean, I don't know how many supporters we have up in Queensland. Probably not many. But, yeah, how are you feeling about Friday night's game, mate? Actually, first of all, how about you run us through the potential outcomes of what happens for the night? All right. So, let's just say this this is how uh, the old ladder predictor sees the round 23 falling. So, D's to get up over the lines. 
Uh, Dockers over Giants, Suns over North. Uh, sorry, Geelong over West Coast, Richmond over Bombers, Port Adelaide over Adelaide, Dogs over um, Hawks, Pies to get up over Carlton. L won't be happy about that. And Sydney to get up against um, St Kilda. So this is where that leaves the ladder. So that leaves uh, Geelong comfortably on top. We know that they'd locked that up already. Sydney finishing second. Dees finishing third. And Collingwood finishing fourth. So that means that five through eight are looking at Frio, then Brisbane, Richmond, followed by Bulldogs. So, yeah, I, I mean, personally, it's still, like, for Melbourne to go up and play a top four side at their home ground interstate, it's still a big, it's, you know, it's a massive game. It's, it's by no means a certainty, and they won't, they, won't, they won't see that, even given, you know, last time's result was so emphatic. But that was three quarters of blistering football after after a pretty tense first quarter where Brisbane got the jump on us a little bit. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I sort of, I wouldn't say they were overly convincing against St Kilda. Now, we know defensively they haven't exactly been on top of their game. They've got some all right defenders. Harris Andrews comes up and down, but, he, you know, like his attitude really kind of dictates about how he actually plays as well too. And Daniel Rich off halfback has a big impact. I think one of the biggest contests is going to be Max versus McInerney because or seeing what sort of impact Oscar McInerney has been having because he, I think he gave, yeah, he gave a really good contest when we played him last time and his ability to also win clearance, similar to what Jackson does as well too. Gorn does it as well. But for them, you know, in order to be able to push the ball forward and then sort of work its way hands into Neil and, you know, you've got um, Bailey as well too, moving through the midfield and then McCluggage. But then seeing Cam Rayner do what he did on Friday, um, Friday mm. night as well too, I thought, yeah, like really damaging sort of X-Factor player who, yeah, St Kilda, they were playing for their final spot and, and obviously would have had something to play for, would have given them that extra bit of fire. But, uh, you know, Brisbane knew also what was at stake. And, yeah, they've been much maligned this year as well too and being very offensive but not very defensive-minded. So back at them home ground, it's it's going to take our best to get up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully we can kind of fix that forward cohesion and we're going to need to kick a winning score. But... We've had, yeah, we had our opportunities against them. And, well, you know, last year we played a final against them. It looked pretty good. Even I don't want to compare too much to last year. But, yeah, I'd be feeling pretty confident that as long as we bring our best footy, everything will take care of itself. 100%. Well, obviously, I mean, I've touched on this a few times, you know, this, yeah, it's finals time now because the, the ramifications of a loss, you know, we can be staring down the barrel of, yeah, probably a home final, but obviously an elimination final. We lose, we finish fifth or sixth. Yeah, we potentially play a Richmond. Like, can you imagine playing Richmond in the first boat of the finals? I mean, that's a bloody tough, tough time to run across. I mean, they they got their backs up, but you know, I'd feel pretty confident against Richmond, but you just never know with the side they've got. Um, but then, yeah, we get a win. We just likely play Sydney at the SCG. Um, another tough ask, to be honest, but Having that double chance sits a lot better with me rather than not. Um, you know, funny things can happen at the SCG. I mean, Sydney play the ground really well. Let's, let's just hope it's a night game, not a day game, because, gee, they're bloody in good nick during the day. But at night, a little bit shakier, um, which is really interesting to see the stat there, which I've, I think I might have touched on a couple of times. But, yeah, no, you didn't. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I saw what Rayner did in there, you know, drawing comparisons to what Petrarca can do and yeah he's he's hitting his straps in the right time um yeah having Zorko and Bailey back like I said gives that little bit extra bit of leadership on the ground and Bailey is that real x-factor player um I feel like now if you're thinking about changes and things I'm thinking of like that absolutely bliss in the VFL and look I don't know where he's going to fit in now I mean, there's a fair bit of chat in Melbourne group saying James Jordan could be the one to make way and Gus back to the wing to allow for James Harm to come back in now that's a bit stiff. I mean, like, I mean, James Jordan's been very, very good for us this year, but just more so he just looked a little bit off in terms of his speed. I know he hurt his knee, you know, probably three, four weeks ago. Um, but I feel like he's been quite solid, but it, it's hard to put a finger on how that change happens because we've got Lockie Neal going up against Lockie Neal. And I think having him shut out of the game, especially around the clearance, which you know, he, he'll be looking to shark off Max Gorn's tap. So, He's yeah, he's he's gonna be a handful. And if we don't have someone being accountable for him, you know, getting him off the lead 
won't be won't be ideal, um, especially with their forward line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their game plan is for that because yeah, in the past Harms has really had success with some of those roles. Now I think that Tom Sparrow has really been ushered into that role a little bit, being able to you know, play play that sort of defensive mid role on some of the best ball users for the opposition. I don't know how much success that he would have had uh, in the last few weeks against that. Now, he's still gotten a bit of the ball. He's talking about changes, and we don't want really, you know, you don't want any shakeups. You can't see really any shakeups going on. You want stability going into the finals. You want consistency and cohesion between every player that's on the field. Now, James Harms has been what, out, what, three weeks now, including the week with a concussion, I think it is. So, if anything, I don't know, like, it, I, I, didn't, I hadn't heard the whispers about Jordan, it. but maybe maybe is it a, I don't know, is it, is it a bit of a hard luck story for Sparrow? As much as the club loves him, is it is it maybe, like, do they see, you know, Harms is purely out there to go and make Lockie Neal's life absolute hell as much as he can, and that's, uh, like, you know, he, start, he starts on the ground for that, for Sparrow. That's probably the only thing. I love Sparrow, don't get me wrong. You know, my love child, or you know, got his badge, but that's probably the only thing I could sort of foresee happening. Could you... Could you see now? I don't know if you noticed this, but obviously Spargo had a very quiet game, and we touched on his quiet game um, a few weeks ago. Might have been, oh, you might have to help me, but definitely he was very quiet in one of our losses early in the year. I think it actually might have been the game before we did the uh, the potty in the uh, the tin pan shed. Um, it might have been that time where we, yeah, he just went nowhere near it. And, he was actually, it looked like he was playing on the wing. He actually started on the wing a couple of times. It might have been to, because Ed Langdon actually, funnily enough, I think you, you'd have to look at this for me. His time on ground, he was off the off the field for, I reckon, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Might have been the third quarter, potentially. And um, I'm pretty sure I saw Spargo running through the wings and he wouldn't get near it. And we, I even touched on you, just a couple of his efforts, just really luckluster. And I mean, he, he made up for it with a nice little... You know, it was an average kick going forward. He got a spoil in and we got a stoppage. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's one, but I think he's good as love child, to be honest. Yeah, no, look, I think you and me were, were very much like-minded and I was writing notes. You were sending me a message about Spargs' effort. There was one, yeah, that directly led to Durden's goal in the third quarter. And, yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, not not like him, and but he'd been very quiet all, all game. And, yeah, he had a pretty important spoil there early in the fourth. But, uh, yeah, it's... um. I don't know, it's a funny one. I just don't see Melch, uh, sorry, I don't see Harms being his like-for-like replacement unless they put somebody else in that forward forward pressure role. Like in terms of, you know, Sparks is a great ball user going going inside 50, should be, you know, what was it, best in the comp? Uh, what, 40, 46% of his kicks marked inside 50, um, which is which is a great say, He's got to get a kick to... Uh... He's got he's got to get a kick to bloody <laughs> start doing that. That's Same true. with Fritter. They both they both only had like four for the game. Oh, yeah. Well, Fritter had one kick, which was a goal. But yeah, both those boys were very down on what they're been producing this year. So. Eight tackles though for Fritter. Yes, yeah, no, and that's what I was I was about to say. His defensive side of his game, he's probably he's probably had eight tackles for the year. Now he's doubled it. So yeah, um, yeah, it's good to see. <laughs> no, we love Fritter. All right, mate. Let's make the call. What's what's the margin going to be? How are we feeling? Fuck. Well, you got you got to put your you got to put your D's hat on and look. I can't I can't think of anything else other than a close game purely based on what the home crowd is and um, put my D's hat on. I'm going to go D's by twelve. Yeah, I reckon it'll tip over the twenty mark. Just I think oh yeah, D's by twenty two. I think Hibbard to again blanket out Charlie and yeah, Maisie and Pep will take care of um, Hipwood and Danaher pretty easily. And we know what Danaher did. You know, or didn't do against us last time. So hopefully, you know, we can we can stamp them out defensively and 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 yeah, make sure that we get a few few goals on the board and and yeah, really set us up for a successful stint in September as well. Yeah, that's it for another week. Thanks again to uh, all of our listeners that. Huge apology that we missed last week, and Simo pointed out a nice stat that the two the two pods that we've missed this week, this season, due to you know unforeseen things, are, have both been against Collingwood, which I planned. Uh, sorry, I, I promise that have not been planned at all. It's not not <laughs> we're planning to have. I'm gonna have, have Tim. <laughs> Mate, I no, definitely have because 
I reckon your I reckon your subscription doesn't allow for an E on it on the uh, the podcast because I reckon there'd be some serious words said about that football club. <laughs> well, and you've you've done it. You've done it dirty. No, no. There's still yeah you know, plenty of profanities you know thrown around the last over the, over the course of the season anyway. So yeah, apologies for that, but thanks for thanks for sticking thing and 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 yeah, it's nice to be able to talk about a much more exciting win, which is which is awesome. So. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors, Hop Hen Brewing and Valley Electrical Group for their continued support. Make sure that you can like, rate and review our podcast on all your favourite platforms. Simo, it's awesome having your fiancé. It feels very nice. Does it feel weird to say the word fiancé? Uh, how often well, have you said uh, it? Put it that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it feels, it's different, but it's, yeah, it's it's nice to say. It's different, but nice. Like, because usually you're like, oh, yeah, my partner, but like, hang on a second. No, my fiance. I actually, when, when I'm actually saying it, you always like sort of stutter it. You're like, oh, this is interesting. But yeah, no, nah, it's very <laughs> pleasing. And I was very, I was very impressed by Al, actually. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that sort of knowledge around the blues and the game itself. So, what do you uh, mean? Yeah, she's, she a, she's a, be, a uh, footy enough. Like, she's, she's, she's yeah, a, she knows she's a footy enough. Now. No, not enough. That's oh, what, next, that's not next what she's going to be doing super coach. She's, she's <laughs> going to take it all on. I reckon. Mate, she's uh, no, no, very exciting. And, and yeah, again, massive congratulations. It's um, very exciting. But um, get a bit of uh, love, is love is in the air. Oh, yes. Finish it off. Wow. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else before we finish up? Is this up? your wedding song? Was, this your wed- Was that your wedding song? Definitely not. <laughs> no, definitely not. All right, mate. Anything to sign out with? Uh, it has to be uh, go deep. Well, well, we've got to go with um, most importantly. Most importantly, love is in the air. <laughs> uh, uh, go the days. Go the days. Night. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, everyone.